I have this book by Jonathan Kahn, Return of the Gods. Now, in many ways, this is a good and important book. So, we'll look at some of it this Sabbath, and maybe it'll spill over to next Sabbath. I don't know how long it will take. But we need to look at it this way. We can ask this question and examine what he's doing, and we'll ask it this way. Is he a prophet of God? Is he half a prophet of God? Does he have the right solution? Or does he bring a partial answer? Now, today, it's unique, especially in America. Because we have the Bible. And God holds us all responsible because we have the Bible. Now, if there are a lot of people who have the Bible, but many of them probably have never read it, or if they've read it, they don't understand it, or if they follow the religious leaders and they are taught things that are not in the Bible as though they are in the Bible, then we have a lot of problems. Now, we also have in Matthew 24 that Jesus said that there will arise false prophets and false Christ to deceive even the elect. So which tells us then we are targets of false prophets. Now, another thing about false prophets while we turn to 2 Corinthians 11 is this. Turn to 2 Corinthians 11. Whenever there is a prophet, how do we know that there is a prophet? Huh? The one that God sends does what? Speaks the words of God. Now that's how we measure it. Now why are people led away with false prophets? Because they preach part of the words of God, but not all. And remember this. Any deception that comes along must have a certain amount of truth to make it credible. Okay? So let's see what Paul was up against here, 2 Corinthians 11. So he says, beginning in verse 3, But I fear, lest by any means, says the serpent, deceived Eve by his craftiness. Subtle craftiness. True-sounding information. Okay? So your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, what is the simplicity in Christ? Live by every word of God, right? You can't have it any more simple. And it says throughout the Old Testament, obey my voice. And Jesus said there'd be a lot coming to him, coming to us, rather, who will say they profess Christ, 
but they don't bring the real Christ. So how are we going to discern? See? Now, Jonathan Kahn, excellent speaker, excellent writer, makes very good points. And we'll see some of those because I'll read from the book because I read every word in the book except for one chapter that would just a repeat of others all combined. All right? Verse 4, For indeed, if someone comes preaching another Jesus whom you did not receive, or you receive a different spirit which you did not accept, you put up with it as something good. In other words, If you look to the goodness of what the false prophets bring, and it's not the goodness of God, then you open the door for deception, correct? Now, we could go back before the uh, New Testament was written, and we can see how easy that would be done because we didn't have they didn't have, rather, all the New Testament written to compare what they need to compare to understand what did Christ say? How did he say it? Now, we've got it all, see? But the thing is, how many people really read the Bible? Then how many understand the Bible? Then how many Believe the Bible, because it's always attacked and full of lies. Okay? Now, when you compare the Bible to establishment Christianity, and people accept establishment Christianity as true, then when they read the Bible, they're going to find what appears to them to be a lot of lies because it doesn't agree with the doctrine that they have accepted. See? Because the truth is modern Christianity the way it is today preaches another Jesus. The Protestants and more importantly and absolutely the Catholics, okay? Then we have Messianic Jews, like Jonathan Kahn, okay? How much of the New Testament do they really know and believe? How much do they really point people to it as helping solve their problems, okay? So all of those things are important. Verse 4 now, for indeed, if someone comes preaching another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you did not receive, now there is a spirit that comes with Protestantism and a spirit that comes with Catholicism. Is that the spirit of God? Huh? No. The Catholics boast 
that the Bible says, remember to keep the Sabbath holy, but the Catholic Church says, remember Sunday to keep it holy. And they brag that all the world bows the knee to Rome in keeping Sunday instead of the Sabbath. Okay? Now, he says here, what you did not accept, you put up with it as something good. But I consider myself in no way inferior to these highly exalted so-called apostles. See, because now, here was a perfect setting that they had back in the first century. How many people saw Jesus? How many people heard Jesus? How many people accepted a lot of his words, but weren't willing to give up on Judaism and the traditions of Ben? A lot of them. See? And even in the Church of God. We find out at Jerusalem with the Apostle James, the half-brother of Jesus, that they were really high on keeping all of the ritual laws, which, as long as the temple stood, were allowable. But you can't take those rituals of the temple and substitute them for repentance and believing and having faith in Christ. See? So, let's go on. Okay, so he says here, let's come to verse 13. Okay. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, who are transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Okay. But they're not. And it is no marvel for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. But the light that he brings is darkness. And today we're confronted with more darkness and more Satanism than any before. And we need the true light of Christ. We need the true light of the word of God to help us know what to do, where to go, how to say it, how to live, and all of those things. Okay? Therefore, it is no great thing if his servants also transform themselves as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Okay? Now let's see what that is. Let's come to Matthew 7, and then we will start investigating concerning Jonathan Kahn. Now, he tells a lot of truth. He has a great analytical mind. He is an excellent speaker. But all of those things are qualities that are not necessarily related to truth. All right. Matthew 7. And as never before, this is true. As never before. Now, I remember I probably mentioned this before, but I was watching Daystar 
or TBN. This minister said that Christ came to be a human being so we could become like him. What a true statement. Then the very next statement out of his mouth was, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It is a person. Boom. False doctrine. (laughs) Okay. So, you have to follow the whole thing. Right? Now, let's read it here. Verse 21, Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who is doing the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay. Now, we have all the will of God written down. Which means what? We are all held responsible for it, right? Now, how many people have Bibles in their home, but they never read them? How many people have Bibles in their home, and they read them through the lens of the interpretation of Protestantism or Catholicism? Okay. Okay, doing of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy through your name? And don't they do that? That's all you hear on TBN and Daystar, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Rarely, even there, do you hear them say, Jesus the Christ. One little hint. Jonathan Kahn never says Jesus the Christ. And the Christ means the anointed of God. He says Yeshua. In the Greek, that is Jesus, Christos. Jesus the Christ. Now, it's like anything else. If you give part of the information, have you given all the information that's necessary? Huh? Yes. Haven't you found out that with different things that, that you have done? Now, you find that out today very quickly if you operate any kind of electronic or digital device, right? If you don't go the way it says to go, it won't work, right? Isn't that true? Yes, well, it's the same way with the Word of God. All right? So, they do all of these things. Did we not cast out demons in your name? Surely God is with us because we cast out demons. Uh, 
And did we not perform many works of power through your name? I mean, you go to Daystar and TBN and they're telling you, send in the money, we're building buildings, we're going to preach to millions in the world. And they all preach the same thing. What is the main thing that they preach? You're all going to miss the tribulation through the rapture. Right? All right. Now, the next verse, verse 23, is when we all come before Christ personally. One to one with Christ. And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Can you think of a scripture which verifies that? What happens if you tell part of the truth? Okay, we'll see that. Okay. Notice right here. I will confess to them, verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me. Now notice this next phrase. You who work lawlessness. Now lawlessness means against law. It also means breaking the commandments of God. Okay. Now, let's come to 1 John, the second chapter, and we'll take a break, and we'll continue on with it. But let's come to 1 John, the second chapter, and let's see what John writes about that. Let's see the inspired word of God concerning this. Okay. What is the gauge? You have to have the substantive, same, identical, measuring rod, if you want to put it that way, in order to make a judgment concerning these things, because they can be very persuasive. Jonathan Kahn is very persuasive. Okay. So let's read it. Chapter 2. How many times have we gone over this? But now, this brings it out the way that it should be. Verse 3, chapter 2, 1 John. By this standard, we know that we know him. If, there's that word, conditional word. And that applies to us. Do we fulfill the if? Or do we not fulfill the if? Okay. If we keep his commandments. Now think on that. Where does that put all of the Protestants in doing away with the laws of God? in keeping Sunday and all the holidays. Huh? 
Why aren't they keeping the Sabbath? Why aren't they keeping the holy day? Okay. You can say, well, they're blinded. Well, why are they blinded? Because they refuse to believe God. So if they refuse to believe God, as Paul writes, how is it that they have any light in them? Okay. Now notice verse 4. The one who says, I know him, and that's all they say. You know Jesus, brother? Oh, I know him. And we have works of power. We're doing all of these great things. We're converting people. We have these great rallies in Africa where the minister raises his hand and the whole thousands out there all fall down. And they think they received the Spirit of God. Really? Okay. The one who does, the one who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is misinformed, is blinded. Oh, just doesn't understand the Bible. is a what? Liar. Now, what if you tell a lot of truth, but tell some lies? What are you up against? Okay. And the truth is not in him. So everything that we're going to gauge is going to be on truth. Okay. Verse 5, on the other hand, if anyone is keeping his word, now that's more than just commandments, isn't it? Yes, indeed. Truly in this one, the love of God is being perfected, and by this means we know we are in him. Okay? Now notice verse 6, and we'll take a break. Anyone who claims to dwell in him, Okay, how many people claim that? How many people witness that? How many preachers preach that? All of them. Okay. Is obligating himself to walk even as he himself walked. And how was that? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. See, I speak nothing other than the Father has commanded me to speak. And all of these things we have today in the Bible. See, so it's here. We have no excuse, right? So let's go ahead and take a break, and then we will examine some of the writings of Jonathan Kahn. We'll compare it to the Word of God, and then we will see, is he a prophet of God? Is he half a prophet, or is he a false prophet? And we'll examine his own words, 
and we'll find out. Welcome back, brethren. Let's continue on, and we will cover some things in the book, The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. But I want to give you a simple two-scripture definition as to why there can never be any gender affirmation or gender change. And Jonathan Kahn addresses that very well in his book. Okay, let's first of all come to Matthew 5. Let's pick it up in verse 44. So here's what Jesus says concerning swearing. In other words, making a statement that is absolutely true or relying on calling to God that you're swearing to him to do something. Okay? Verse 34, But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven nor by God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Neither swear by your head. In other words, how you think. Okay? And how do they think on this gender affirmation? Well, just last night on the news, guess what? There's a man who says, I think I'm a woman. So he committed a crime and they sent him to a woman's prison. Huh? They didn't check his genitals, whether he was a man or a woman. So they sent him there and guess what he did? Impregnated two women. So how can he be a woman, even though he thinks it? See? By your head, because you do not have the power to make one hair white or black. If you can't do that, you can't change your gender. All right? Now, the other one here is Matthew 6, just across the page, verse 27. But who among you, by taking careful thought, okay, <laughs> and that's what they do. How do these ideas come in? These are not from God. These are from Satan. And Jonathan Kahn points out very well that the demons are the ones who are responsible for it. Okay? Now, verse 27. But who among you by taking thought is able, that means has the power, to add one cubit to his stature. Okay? Cannot be done. Now, Going to read several excerpts here. Going to come to page 33. Page 33 talks about the Dark Trinity. The Dark Trinity is Baal, Ashtaroth, 
and Tammuz or Horus. Now, he's only 125 years late because Alexander Hislop in the late 1880s wrote the book The Two Babylons. Okay? Now, he says the demons were expelled when the nations accepted Christ. Well, there may be some truth in that. But where did they go? Well, if they went any place, they went to different nations other than Western civilization, and they were carrying on the same practices in those nations as well. Or they went undercover within the Catholic Church. Okay, now, what happened here, okay, so the gods would alter their appearances and hide their identities. They always do that to sneak in first, okay. Now, it is true, this nation did say, well, we're founding it based upon God's word and God's truth, right? And we want the gospel to go out from America. And yes, it did. And the British Empire, they had the largest empire in the world. They brought the English language to a lot of people. They even brought Protestantism to them. But they never brought the word of God to them so they could follow God the way God wanted. Okay? Now then, but Romans 2 says that if the Gentiles keep the things contained in the law, it's law unto themselves. So where they do keep the law, then they are a much better society. Just like we have been before all of the lawlessness that had been cut loose in the last, what, 40 years? Okay. So he says, they would hide their identities. It would begin in the shadows. They would begin to come out in the shadows, okay, on the fridges of American society and Western culture. It was there that the gods gained their first footholds. Secret societies, Jesuits, Masons, odd fellows, okay, witches secretly. Satan worshipers secretly, but now Satan has his own temple and are going to have more. And guess where his headquarters is? Salem, Massachusetts, where they burned all the witches in the early stages of the colonies, right? Okay. Okay, it was there that the, the gods, or that is the demons, gained their first foothold, and from there they began to steadily and progressively penetrate mainstream culture. But their ultimate object was not infiltration, but domination. That's what we're seeing today, right? That's on page 33. Come here to page 35. This becomes important. 
the worship of Baal. And Baal was symbolized by ancient Israel by what? The golden calf. Right? Okay. The worship of Baal was one of carnality and vulgarity. So as America turned from God to Baal, good analysis because that's what they were doing, its culture underwent a progressive vulgarization, its national discourse turning increasingly crude. Have you watched any movies lately and all of the rotten language that they have? And are not all of the movies today based on death, destruction, and Satanism? Nearly all of them. And where did they hide themselves so they wouldn't be well known? Disneyland. See, because we must teach the children, right? And at first it comes out very innocent. Snow White and the seven dwarves. Huh. A lot of witchcraft in that, right? Yes. And then the famous movie, Bambi. And that was the start of the Green Movement. You wouldn't think of it right back then when they came out. I know as a kid when I was growing up, when I saw the movie Bambi, I thought that was a great movie. Okay. And then the fabrication of, of truth. The spirit of Baal works toward altering the altering of perception. True statement. How does Satan alter your perception? By getting you to believe things that are not right. Where there is one God, there's an ultimate and objective reality, a unifying reference point, a standard by which all can be discerned, measured, and judged. Where there is God, there is truth. Now, he's speaking correctly, but he never quoted, your word is the truth. And he never said, you are sanctified by the truth. And he never quoted the scriptures which said, your commandments are truth. Your law is true. All your precepts concerning all things are true. See? But it sounds good where he writes here, there is truth. But where there is more than one God or many gods and Baals, the door is open for more truths, conflicting truths, and thus no truth. And that's what happened. That's what it says in Hosea, the fourth chapter. There's no truth in the land. Wouldn't you say that's true today? Is that right? You watch the news? You watch the presentation? You watch the religious channels? You listen to what people say? People like lies. People believe in lies. Okay. 
When one makes an idol, one is fabricating one no, one's own God, and that's one's own ultimate reality and one's own truth. True, perfect statement. Okay? But when one creates truth, truth becomes a fabrication ceasing to be the to be truth. And when one creates or holds to one's own truth, everyone thinking what he's doing in his own eyes is right. Truth, again, ceases to be the truth. And that's the way people look at the Bible. Then he said, true plus two cannot equal five. All right. Now, and he says then, when this happens, the culture will move away from objectivity to subjectivity. Meaning, there's no right, hard standards. What you believe is true to you. What you to believe is true to you, even though they're polar opposites, see? That's what we have in the society, right? Yes, indeed. So he analyzes this very well. I mean, he's got a lot of truth in here. I can tell you that right now. Okay? And so, today, it's expressed this way. We move from meritocracy, which means merit, instead of equity. See, that's what we've moved to. Okay. And so as American Western civilization turned away from God, they began to undergo a process of subject, subjectification as they moved away from the truth. They moved away from the concept of truth itself, that there was any truth to begin with. The transformation affected language. Truth was now what was true for the individual. And if a man believed he was not himself, but someone or something other than what he was, a child, a woman, a leopard, a tree, there was no ultimate or absolute truth or any truth or objective reality to contradict one's personal truth. Very well stated. That's what we have. Now, we have that in Protestantism, don't we? See, but since it uses the name Jesus, it masquerades as authentic. See? All right? And that is, even if one's personal truth contradicts reality, then what was reality that would have to be bent into its conformity? Isn't that what they've done? Okay. Okay. The overturner, that's Baal, overturns everything. <clears throat> So let's read on. He's got a lot more here. We'll see. Very, very good. But we'll have to wait till we get to the conclusion of it. Okay. 
So without God, there's no more truth, and in fact, no more reality. Words were now redefined. Isn't that what they're doing? Yes. What was right was now wrong. You can't say him or her. Well, then how did those women get impregnated in the prison? <laughs> See? And what was wrong is now right. Let's go to Isaiah 5. Okay? Isaiah 5. Now, another thing that we find with Jonathan Kahn, he likens a lot of things that the Americans are doing to what the ancient tribes of Israel do, but he never says America is end-time Israel. Huh. Amazing. Okay. Isaiah 5. Let's read it. Verse 18. This is what has happened to us because what he wrote here is absolutely true. But if he would have put the scripture in there to back it up, to show that this was known long ago, that may have made it a whole lot more effective. Verse 18, Woe to them who draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin with cart ropes, who say, Let him hurry and hasten his work so that we may see it. And let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come so that we may know. See? But they don't know the purpose. And Jonathan Kahn does not know the purpose. See? Verse 20. What are those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Isn't that what's happening? That's what he wrote about? Yes. Okay. So he's got that part right, but he needs some scripture to put some force behind it. Woe to those who say, uh, to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to those who are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to drink strong drink, and we can add in their drugs, who justify the wicked for a bribe. Isn't that what we're seeing in lawlessness today? Isn't that the central theme of New York City with the attorney general that is trying to take down not only Trump but the whole city? little sidebar on New York City. He says, New York City is the center of all Satanism and the dark trinity in America. That's true. One other thing to watch. They had a debate last night on the news. Is New York City infected with rats because... There are a lot of rats. Or is it infected with rats? Because everybody's dirty. And I don't know if you saw the pictures of rats everywhere. Now, how do they breed? Like gangbusters. Question. 
Do you suppose the next plague on New York will be the bubonic plague? Huh? New York is the epitome of Satanism. All right? Now, verse 24. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame burns up the chaff, their roots shall be as rottenness and their blossoms shall go up as like dust because, here's the cause, here's the cause. He could have added even just this one verse. Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Okay? So he's right He's in what he wrote here. Okay? So he says, values are altered, people are altered. Reality was forced to bend its knee before the new idols and become the clay to be molded into the image of the new gods. In other words, after Satan. Okay. So by the spirit of Baal, the eternal truths were overthrown. Value standards had, that had stood for thousands of years were now discarded with a single vote of a legislature or a presidential executive order. Think of that in relationship to the laws that are now being promulgated in the, the Democrat states, Satan-backed laws, that 12-year-olds can leave home without having to listen to their mother or father. And where will they go? Right into the willing arms of all of the sex perverts, male and female, right? And how are they able to have laws so that they can start changing gender into children beginning at age seven? See, so Jonathan Kahn nails this right. And the foundation stones of Christian Judy. Uh, Judeo-Christian civilization could now be struck down by a single ruling of the nation's judiciary. The Supreme Court of the United States has caused a lot of these sins to take root by objectivizing homosexual marriages, by objectivizing that those who claim that they have changed gender must be accepted and you cannot discriminate against them. It doesn't matter how crazy they are because that's what they are. They are either influenced or possessed by demons or Satan. See? Okay? So he's got that right. But even this was a sign of Baal's spirit. It was the other side. If one can turn absolute truth into what is subjective, then one can turn subjective 
into absolute truth, and that's what they've done. See? Why? Because they say good is evil and evil is good and reject the law of God. Of course, any position that desires or that denies truth and the existence of absolutes must ultimately contradict itself. It will, in the end, assert its own absolute truth. But even this was a sign of Baal's spirit. It was the other side. If one turned the absolute truth into what is subjective, then one can turn the subjective into absolute truth. Okay? Then he defines this absolutely correctly. The very act of creating an idol or a god is to forge out of nothing a new absolute. And so, in the absence of God, American culture forged new truths, created new laws and commandments, and molded new absolutes out of the molten metal of its apostasy. As it was in ancient Israel, when Baal came into power, those who would not bow down before the new gods and idols were punished, canceled. That's what's coming. Okay? Quite interesting. Okay? Let's come to page 58. Now he sees the problem. That's one of his specialties. He can analyze problem very, very well. But in order to bring about something that would be profitable, he needs to bring in more scriptures so that he has more validity to what he says. Okay? The drowning lifeguard. Okay, the blending, blurring, and breaking of uh, distinctions, characteristics of the pagan world began seeping into nearly every corner of American culture and life. Into the government, into the church, into the education, into the colleges, into everyday life. Okay, The distinction between right or wrong, life and death, and the natural and the unnatural, man and woman, good and evil, there were now blending, bending, and breaking. That's what we're experiencing. Now, why am I going through this? So that we will know what we need to do and how these things need to be handled. Because the ultimate that's going to happen somewhere down the road They're going to come after us. They're already doing it in Canada. Because our systems are so void of truth within the leadership and the government and the churches and in the schools and in the average life of those who are running the countries whether it's in government or whether it's in business or whether it's in religion. 
to show you how absurd that it gets. In Canada, they had one of the cabinets, all men, put on women's high heels and march around to celebrate something concerning feminism. Now, if that isn't stupid, I don't know. <laughs> okay? But see what happens. Okay? It was all born of the same root, the pagan confusion and merging of the creator and the creation, God and man. If the world was God and man was one with the world, then man was God. And that's what happens when you make your own choices, your own way, and you leave out God. You become a God unto yourself. And that's why this gender movement is so evil. Because it's a religion. You go online and look up transhumanism that I gave over 10 years ago. And they stated they wanted to do exactly this. And it was a religion. When it first came out, people said, oh, you know. Yeah. But what's the lesson? What did we just finish? The days of unleavened bread. A little leaven what? Leavens the whole lump. So here we go. Okay. Then... As God, he could nullify reality and create another. That's what they're trying to do with the gender trait. And he points out, that's what they were doing in ancient Babylon. Now think about this for a minute. Was Sodom and Gomorrah during the days of Abraham? How do you think Sodom and Gomorrah got to be so bad? Huh? Yes. Well, how bad was the world where Abraham was living when God called him out of it? It was ancient Babylon where they were trying to change sex at that time too. And we never thought of it, you know, that that's the way it was back there. And Abraham had to leave. Well, that's what God is calling us to do. Don't be part of the world. Okay? Let's go on. He could even recreate himself. He could make the unnatural natural and the natural unnatural. He could alter values, turn right into wrong, evil into good, and good into evil. Very well expressed. Some scriptures behind it would have made it much stronger. All right. Let's come to page 65. Now then, in this chapter, he brings out how there are many things in New York City that identify it as the capital of Baal and Ashtaroth and Temeth. So he says this concerning the temple of Baal. 
It had appeared in London and would later appear in other Western cities, even including Washington, D.C. But the appearance of the arch, that is the the arch of uh, that they have there in New York City, okay, but the appearance of the arch had served as the entranceway to Baal's temple in New York City was especially significant. For New York City had played a central role in America's apostasy from God. Question. Where is the center of media news today? New York City. Where is the center of perversion? Hollywood, California, owned by Satan, the devil. Okay? And in many ways served as the capital of that fall. It had functioned as a conduit for Baal's entrance into American civilization, and that all started in the 1960s. Okay? Quite a thing. So he's got a lot of these things that are right. Okay? Now, he brings in Ashtaroth, Ishtar. Come to page 160. Yeah, there's an awful lot here. Uh, Metamorphosis of women, masculine goddess, And by the way, take a good look at the Statue of Liberty. It's a man dressed as a woman. Athena. Huh? Take a good look. Okay. And the masculinization of women, Ishtar in the workplace, transformation into her image, And then it is against patriarchy. That's what they want to do. Get rid of, get rid of men. And that's what they want to do to the Bible. There's a committee in England right now that for the Church of England, they set up a special committee on how to demasculize the Bible. So how far will Satanism take you? This chapter is called The Avatars. Have you seen that on television lately? Is an advertisement for a movie by Walt Disney? Avatars. Okay. So everything is turned upside down with that. Okay, and that's all by Ishtar. Huh, okay. Now let's come to page 206. Subheading here, June 26, 2013. Remember, Remember that date? Okay, no, nobody remembers it. What happened on that day? Okay. I'll read it to you. On the exact day that the ruling came down, 
the Defense of Marriage Act was overturned on June 26, 2013. And that's the month of Tamez. And that's the month when evil takes over. Okay? Ten years to the exact same day, the Supreme Court legalized homosexuality in 2003. Okay? Now they have same-sex marriage. You talking about abomination to God? Now, a lot of people are looking and thinking, oh, well, we hope we get a reprieve. Will it come? We'll have to see. I doubt it. Okay? If you want to know what needs to be done, you go read in Second Chronicles 35 what Josiah had to do. In order for there to be a turnaround and stop the evil that's happening in America, there has to be absolute law based upon the word of God. They have to take all of the leaders of these aberrate and devious and satanic things, and they need to put them to trial and execute them. And there needs to be a vast repentance and reformation by the people who claim to be Christian. Okay? That's what it will take. There it is. He analyzed this correctly. Both of the rulings opening the door for the normalization and establishment of homosexuality fell on the same date and both on the date that sealed Stonewall, that was an event that happened in New York City, the event that began the opening of the door. That was the homosexual revolution that they had there. Okay? Now. Okay. We're running out of time. I have a little bit more to cover. So I'll save that for next time. And then we'll look at some other things on what the message needs to be. And we will see how Jonathan Cohen falls into the category prophet, half-prophet, or false prophet.